Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Thank you for being with us again this week. Those of you who have followed Warren Litzman's teachings for many, many years, like myself, know how powerful they are. You know how important they are, and you know what a great blessing and gift Warren had for these scriptures and for being able to translate them in a way regular people like us can understand. The fact that we're going back to the archives now and bringing you some of the actual live conferences Warren did is really an amazing blessing to all of us, and we hope you continue to enjoy these. Today, we go back to South Africa years ago, where Warren was conducting an amazing conference. Here's Warren. All right, dear friends. We are still on the verse of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, rightly dividing soul and spirit. The Scriptures is what does for us. I'm always asked, why didn't we know these things before? It's because the gospel wasn't preached to you. People say, well, how is it I read my Bible all my life and didn't see these things? It's because outwardly you received a gospel that didn't elaborate or teach these things. Most of us have gone through life with a very great self-interest. In my generation of time, the greatest interest has been a body interest. We've actually become a body people. Our faith has been turned into our bodies. Our faith has been turned into where we carry our bodies and how we protect our bodies and how we dress our bodies and how much money we have to spend on our bodies. Religion has actually taken over a body ministry. Don't realize it. I can remember a day when I first was saved that we were all in a soulish ministry. All the preachers I knew were what we call wholeness preachers. And if they could find anything wrong with you, they'd preach on it for an hour or two. And that was their subject, trying to straighten you out by what it was they preached. In the last 40 years, since I've known Christ lived in me, the message has been entirely different. It doesn't matter how much I straighten myself out, how good I become, how well I know myself. If I don't know Christ, to God is my real self. See, if I don't know that, the rest of it doesn't matter. doesn't matter where I go, what I do. If I don't realize that when God looks at me, he sees Jesus or he sees me dead in trespasses and sins. He doesn't look at me any other way. He either sees Christ as life or he sees me fumbling with the issue of life myself. So it is very important that we understand what happens when God rebirths us. What really takes place? And as I've already stressed, which are not in our points now, I'm on seven points of the birthing. But I always stress foremost the fatherhood of God. He is Father. 
He wants you to know that you're his child. That's what you're on earth for, is to know that. I've always said 90% of Christianity does not know that Christ is their life. They don't get a gospel for it. In fact, all the new Bibles publish veer away from any scripture that suggests that. This is why we stick with the old King James because there's less you can mess with there. But through the generations in our lifetime, they've changed the Bible again and again, getting away from this aspect that you no longer live, Christ lives in you. We well, see, that's an awesome subject. But theology doesn't teach that. Theologians don't know that. They don't know that Christ is our life and that we no longer live. They have the scriptures, but they mean something different. They don't interpret them like they're written. See, when I read my Bible, I read it like it is. I'm not interested in what the Greek says or what so-and-so says or believes. I'm interested in the Holy Spirit taking those verses of Scripture and talking to me through them. He, he helped write them. He's a publisher of them. So I like for the Holy Spirit to talk to me rather than somebody else. So if your great interest is find out what everybody knows about something, you're going to be misled sooner or later. I've got a book in my office called 26 Translations. I consult it very seldom. And the reason why was the other day I wanted help on a verse of Scripture that uh, was not in the epistles. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get some help here. And I turned to it, and they had six different theologians who gave an answer to that scripture. All six of them disagreed with each other. And by the time I read through all of it, not a one of what they said had to do with the scripture that was written. They just put their ideas in it. But that's been my knowledge for a long time. When you read your Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you, to teach you. If you don't get it in that session, go back again. Somebody says to me, why do you keep going to Africa? Because you don't get this message in one or two sessions. And I'm interested in you and love you enough to want you to get a hold of it. It's a complete life change for you. If you haven't gotten that yet in your mind, then you have to learn the most basic truth. This is a complete life change. I want to change you from soulish living to spirit living. I want to change you from your life to his life. That's not a simple thing. You're not going to get it in just a few sessions. But I notice many of you have. Many of you got it. Many of you listen to those tapes again and again, and you get it. I got people in America that never have gone through the tapes you have. They're too busy. Or they want to do their own thing. But the end result is what God has given us in this message over the years is foundational. Absolutely foundational. And you need it to be able to move on in the things of the Lord. Well, most of all, I want you to know about your birthing, your rebirthing. So let's go to point number two. The birthing is not progressive. 
soulish religion is progressive. Now this is how soulish religion works in some places. You get saved. The first thing you're told to do is join the church, pay your tithes, read your Bible every day, and learn to pray. But you have to be to our Thursday night class, our catechism. Because you're not going to really stand strong unless you find out what it is we believe. You must have our doctrines. You must have our doctrines fixed in you. You must know what it is this group of people teach and believe. Well, if you happen to be one of those hard heads that walked in and said, I just want to know what the Bible teaches. Will you all tell me what the Bible teaches? Well, we can't because our progenitor has told us how we are to present the Bible. And so you're in what we call progressive religion. You start out at one point and you get a little more, you learn a little more, you finally get involved with a group of people, you're teaching a Sunday school class before you know it, you may end up working with the youth or you may end up cleaning the toilets. You're going to progress from one thing to another, you know, that's religious life. And you'll have some fun doing it because it's all soulish. It's soulish. If somebody come along in that group, and I've done this, I've done this to churches, I had to quit doing it, but I used to go into it and say, folks, I want to tell you about another life. Scared the preacher to death, had the saints sitting on the edge of their seat, oh, we'd like to know about this, but I got no second invitation. That was over for me. Because I interfere with progressive religion. You say, well, don't people need to learn? Don't they need to know? Sure but they need to have a great enough love affair to take their Bibles and listen to the Spirit and read what it says. I'll tell you, you'll find the Christ life far more vibrant in the old King James than any Bible they published since. But they got rid of the old King James saying that people don't understand it. The fact they didn't understand it was that it talked a different language. It talked a Pauline language particularly the New Testament. So there is no such thing as progressive salvation. Salvation is not progressive. Religion is progressive. Salvation is not progressive. Now what I mean by that? I mean that the moment you are born again, God cohabitates with you in an act of love. John 3:16. For God so loves, cohabitates with a believing sinner that the moment they believe, he places his seed, Christ, in them. That's the gospel message. For God so loved the world, a love affair, that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's it. There is nothing progressive in God placing his seed in a human being. Now let's take another look at the seed. The seed has everything in it for life. Nothing is missing. Nothing can be added to it. The reason why Romanism is so far astray of the scriptures is that from the beginning they said we had to add something to the seed. It's not all here. What wasn't there was a self-interest. 
of the religion. Follow me now. It was the self-interest of religion that wasn't there. But what is in the seed is total. You have the nature of God. You have the Spirit of Christ, His life, all in the seed. And once the seed is put in you, once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that not only is salvation, that's the end. You can't add to it. Take the natural birth. Father puts a seed in a mother, hopes to get an offspring. And maybe the father comes back and says, well, I'd like to do this a little better. Let's do it again. <laughs> what every young person is learning that's gone astray is that one little seed does it all. You can't add to it. Can't make it any better. That's it. That's the way God planned it. And just as He did with common human birth, so did He do it with spirit birthing. The moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, there was placed in you this seed, and it's total. Now, there will be growth in you, but there's never growth in Christ. Get this in your thinking. Jesus doesn't grow up in you. You grow up in Christ. You have that? So religion has that backwards. Religion says, well, you don't have all of the Lord now. Come our way and you'll get all of the Lord. Come and believe what we believe and you'll get more. That's incredibly impossible. It's either in the seed or it isn't. You can't add to it. You ask a little 14-year-old teenage girl about it that got pregnant and she didn't want to. She'll let you know it is serious. It's dead serious. I got the thing there. Just didn't think anything about it. I got it. But you see, when that seed went into you, also going out was the old nature. It's out. You've got a new God nature in you from the moment you believe. And the old nature is gone. You've still got a mind attached to the old nature. And you'll have that until your love affair attaches you to the new nature. But it's not progressive. Sometimes we make the statement, well, I just need more of God. That's impossible. It's in the seed. Can't get any more. Oh, I just don't have all the Christ I want. I'd like to have more Christ. You can't. It's in the seed. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're either born again or you're not born again. You're either pregnant with Christ now or you're not. There's no in-between. There's no little bit of pregnancy. Have you discovered that? There's no little bit of it. So there's not some Christianity. It's total. There's not some of Christ in you. It's total. You have to make your mind up that that's a mind change you need because it's happened. It's already taken place. And if you don't assimilate that idea in your mind, you figure out who you are. It's already total. It's already complete. The Scriptures in the epistles are not written on the basis that if you do this, you'll get more. If you do that, you'll get more. If you do this, you'll get more power. You... 
my charismatic friends don't like Paul. And the reason they don't like Paul is because they say he has no faith. And they're right. Sometimes people look at me and say, you don't have faith anymore. You're not out in those big healing lines and bringing deliverance to people. They're right. Because once I saw Christ as my totality, it was His faith. I had a radical change in my thinking. It never was my faith. It was always His. Now, if I lived in the Old Testament, it would be my faith. If I followed Jesus of Nazareth, it would be my faith. But when the Holy Spirit placed me in Christ, I no longer live. It was Christ's life. It was Christ's faith. It was total. That's why Paul has no lectures on us getting faith. That's why Paul doesn't talk about how much power the believer has because he talks about the power of Christ. He talks about us being strengthened by Christ. He talks about Christ being all, being total. You see, that's a mind thing. It's there. You got it already. But you haven't given it a mind. So this birthing is not a progressive thing. You have the seed in you and you give body and soul to that seed and what's growing is body and soul to the seed because the seed is perfect. Just perfect. That's what little Mary did to Jesus of Nazareth. She gave a body and soul to the Christ that was in her. Therefore, she manufactured a body for Jesus to live in. That's what mamas do. That's what you and I are doing. We are giving a body to this seed that is in us, Christ. So Christianity is not progressive in spirit, but you do grow in your soulish part. This is the part of you that grows up. And you grow up by what you think. You grow up by the changing of your mind. When you got saved, you still had the same old mind that belonged to the devil. You had the same old mind. God didn't change it. Oh, you may have made some changes in it. But the mind is what's progressive. That's what grows. And so when you were saved, God's grace, this is what grace was. He went ahead and put Christ in you when He knew that soulishly you couldn't handle it all. He knew that. That was the grace of God. That's why when people get saved, sometimes they go up and down in their spiritual walk because they just don't know. Because they have that compelling power of the old mind still there. After Paul went through the struggle in Romans 7, he ended up saying, but the mind is what determines your walk. Sure it does. That's what determines the Christian's walk before God is the way they think. 
And I come back to what uh, something I said yesterday. If I've got uh, something in me that keeps me alive physically, that controls my thoughts. A lot of people nowadays have diabetes. I run into a lot of good people have diabetes. And you know they can live a fairly healthy life if they do what they're supposed to do concerning diabetes. You know, they can live a fairly healthy life. But if in their mind they don't have that fixed as the important thing for their physical living, they're fools. It'll kill them. Now you have Christ living in you. To God, He is your life. You may get out here and do a good thing. You may feel good about yourself in doing your good thing. And you may feel like, well, I'm really a good Christian now. I'm really what I ought to be. I've got things all fixed up. And if you ever come to rely on that in a time of trouble, you're going to be disappointed because God never saw that in you. He saw you living Christ, not you. The birthing is not about you. The birthing is all about Jesus. Christianity is not about us, what we believe. We argue and fuss with everybody over what we believe. It isn't about us. Christianity is about Jesus. Christianity is something God sends to this earth in the person of Christ to live in human beings, to straighten out human beings from their original sin. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is not about us. It's about God straightening out His plan, having the solid proof that the cross was necessary for Him to do what He needed to do. That's why He waited 4,000 years before He granted us final salvation by Christ living in us. He finally gave it enough time he gave humanity enough time to prove that they could do something within themselves to please Him. But the end result was they could do nothing. Humanity for 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus of Nazareth could do nothing to please God within themselves. But God had fixed it like that because He had to prove that soulishly living we could never be what we ought to be. That good people within themselves mean nothing to God. You understand that? Good people within themselves mean nothing to God. He gave His Son that humanity would have a new and another life, another life, not a better earth life. You want to get me riled up? It's, it's getting to talk about modern religion, which has become nothing but corrective. What is it doing? It's, it's the old kingdom message, trying to correct Adam's sin, trying to correct Adam's spoiling of this world. It's not the right gospel. It's not the true gospel. It's sure not the final gospel. Because God's not in the business of correcting this world. He's not in the business of trying to save humanity. He's not in the business of saving you.
He's in the business of changing your life from you to Christ. So the next time you look at the world, a lot of people did this in America this last few weeks. They look at the world and say, oh God, where are you? We had more devastation to hit New Orleans than has ever hit an American city. And we couldn't take it. They all hollered, where is God? Why did he let this happen? At least uh, 250,000 people in that one city lost everything they had. Big city, about a half million, lost everything they had. Everything. They had to be carted out of town by somebody else and put up with somebody else to start life all over again. That's good and that's bad. Sorry it had to happen, but it's good because that's what it takes to begin a new life. But Christianity is Christ. Some way, somehow, we're going to come to that, that Christianity is Christ. Not church buildings, it's not doctrines, it's not preachers, it's not programs. Christianity is Christ. That's why we were called Christians, because it was Christ's life. It's nothing else. It's not me adding something to it. I tried that for years. Humanity liked it because they didn't know the difference. But I couldn't preach the gospel under that guise. So my point is, this thing is not progressive. It's sudden. It's intentional. It's of God. And it's there. The moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, it is there. not coming later. You don't get more salvation. You learn more, but that's soulish. You learn this Christ that's in you, that's soulish. But spiritually speaking, you can get no more God than you got right now. It's there, total. You can't get any more faith than His faith. It's total. Total. You can't be more perfect than you are now before God with Christ in you. You're perfect. These are things you have to fix in your mind to be a Christian because Christianity is not like Islam. It's not like Buddhism. Christianity is the way God intended human beings live. It is the finishing of His creative work of human beings. God created all these other human beings and other religions, but if they do not turn to Christ... They'll never be what God's intention is because He finishes the human being. You're a finished product once you begin to see Christ as your life. It's perfect. It's total. It's complete in you now. What is not complete is your understanding. What is not complete is your knowledge. What is not complete is your wisdom. So even wisdom and knowledge are going to have to turn to Christ. Christ has been made unto you knowledge and wisdom. That's, that you have to get fixed in your mind because it's just that, that important. Let's go to point three.
the birthing is a God thing. It's a God thing. And the human has nothing to do with it. The part you have in salvation is realizing you have a need. And God will fix every life sooner or later with a need. Sinners must have a need to come to God. They don't come to God as a bargain. They don't come to God making a deal. I run across that every once in a while. Somebody says, well, I came to the Lord. I told the Lord if He'd use my talent, I'd give my life to Him. That's baloney. Why should God need them? He doesn't need you. I used to have preachers years ago. I messed with a lot of preachers in my lifetime. And I'd hear them give their testimony. Oh, I had to give my life to God. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this work, but God made me do it. I wanted to hit them over the head of the Bible. <laughs> Concrete Bible. <clears throat> if I'd have been the Holy Spirit, I'd have excommunicated every one of them then. <laughs> if you got something better to do, go do it. If you don't want to know Christ, go do whatever you want to know. You don't want to give yourself to this learning, go do whatever it is you want to do. You want to live without the knowledge that Christ is your life, without renewing your mind, that's up to you. But the birthing is a God thing. This is something God figured out before He ever created human beings. There is a wealth of material in the little verse, Ephesians 1 and 4, where he says, Accordingly as He's chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means that God has figured out before He created the world or even put a human in it, He figured out that if I create a human being and make them perfect in spirit without them acquisitioning to it, then I've created a robot. And I don't want a bunch of robots running around. So He said, I choose them to be in Christ. I choose Christ to be their life. That was from the beginning. From the very beginning. He chose Christ to be the life. You don't know how theologians have tap danced on that verse. You know what I call theologians. They're all tap dancers. They just dance all over a verse of Scripture and never say anything or settle down to anything. They just jump in. That's a contrary verse to modern religion. Modern religion says, well, there were some of us chosen, but others weren't. That isn't what he says. He says we were chosen to be in Christ from the very beginning, not just some of us. That wouldn't, that wouldn't fit the Jesus who says, for God so loved the world, the world he gave his only begotten son. There are people reinterpret the word world and all of a sudden you get in a 
amaze. Don't know how to get out over wording. Take the scriptures like they are. Before this world was created, God had it all figured out that I'm going to go ahead and create them in my image and likeness, but I'm not going to touch their spirit. I'm not going to touch the real person. I'm going to see if any of them will do what I tell them to do. So we have periods of time given to us in the Old Testament. We call them dispensations. Periods of time where God tells people what to do. He gives them a gospel. He gives them a message for that period of time. And you know what? Just what he figured, none of them worked out. Not a one of them worked out who had a special message from God on how to live. And then finally he chose Israel. He said, well, if I choose one group of people and work only with them, surely they'll work out right. Well, he ended up calling Israel his backslidden wife. Children that went astray. Never did work out with Israel. He sent his son, and his son was even rejected. So God had it planned. That was the liberating secret. The liberating secret is the great mystery. Paul speaks of it 13 different times in his writings. He speaks of the great mystery being that God had this in His plan from the beginning. He's going to put another life in that human being because He knows the life they live on their own will never please Him. He's smart enough to know that. Don't you think God's smart enough to look at a group like this? This is a big, beautiful group. God love you. But don't you think He's smart enough to look at you and say, there's not enough sense in all of them put together to make one of them ever please me. Don't you think he's smart enough to know that? So he knew that finally to complete that creation of his image and likeness, he would have to put the right person in them. That their own personhood wouldn't be worth a nickel in the end. So he's going to put Christ in them and Christ is going to work through that person. And that person will be a Christian. That will be what God's intention is. Only Paul knew this and writes about it. We're going to stop right here for this week. We hope you are enjoying this amazing live conference that Warren had many years ago in South Africa. We're taking bits and pieces of it and bringing it to you each week, and we'll continue to bring you live conferences from some of the places Warren presented them around the world. We hope this has been a blessing to you. Hey, don't forget to go to our website, christ-life.org, christ-life.org. Read all about this great In Christ message, and be sure and check out our bookstore, and you too can have some of the wonderful material Warren left behind. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman. She allows us to go into that archive each week to find these wonderful things to bring to you. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Also, thanks to Tammy Laycock. She does our weekly podcast reports, and this show is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.